Sisters, the Lord be with you. With Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. How quickly and how succinctly a, a person can convey a message has been a goal long before Twitter ever existed with its 280 character text on their social media platform. In fact, it was William Shakespeare, of all people, who once coined the phrase, "'Tis better to be brief than tedious." I wish he had taken his own advice when I had to read his plays in, in high school English, as I'm sure there are those who think that when I get up to preach, but I digress. <laughs> but there is truth to that saying. 
Keep things simple. Cut to the point. Cut to the chase. It's essential in getting a message across and even how things are marketed to people. In fact, think about how many ways people respond or act with just three little words. Growing up, the, the youngest of three boys, who often after we got tired of fighting with each other, liked to try to find ways of torturing my poor mother, well, my father was the master of communicating to us with three little words. Three little words commanding our attention. Cut it out. Get over here. Sit down now. Shut your mouth. My father was a large man, and being pushed to the brink by the three of us with just the right amount of Jersey Italian in him was probably all he needed. He didn't need much more instruction or clarification when he would utter his three little words. But the more I thought about it, the reality of three little words catching people's attention didn't end in my childhood. This past year, during the, the viral pandemic, how many things were communicated to us with three little words? We were told, follow the science, flatten the curve, wear a mask, six feet apart. You don't need any further explanation on any of those things. You know what's meant, you know what's expected just with those three-worded messages. Politically, this past year, we just survived a, another presidential campaign that captured the extremely different vantage points with three little words each. Keep America great, build back better. Three little words definitely evoked a lot of thought and emotion and reaction for people. For Catholics, we often find a, a way to almost overcomplicate Lent, where we can get lost or, or distracted by thoughts and questions from the season, like, how is it 40 days of Lent when if you actually count from Ash Wednesday to Easter, it's more than 40? Or with the not eating meat on Friday, does that include alligators? <laughs> or can I have that thing that I'm fasting from that I gave up for Lent on Sundays? There's nothing wrong with those questions, especially if we want to know and appreciate some of the intricacies of the season. But we can't and shouldn't let that help us lose focus on what the real point of the season of Lent is all about. Lent is meant to make us acutely aware of the spiritual battle between two extremely different perspectives that can both be summed up in three words each. And they come from the Sunday Gospels. From last Sunday, the three words were tempted by Satan. And from this dramatic experience of the transfiguration, the three words of urgency that echo through the centuries, listen to him. Tempted by Satan, listen to him. Lent comes down to those two sets of three words. First is the reality that all humanity, including Jesus himself, at some point, in some way or ways, is tempted by Satan. And what we have to admit is, if we didn't already know, it's not a one and done thing. It's not like once you face them down, once you've rejected a temptation, once you've successfully turned away and repented of your sins, that you're good to go. It's smooth sailing. Satan continues to bombard us with suggestions and manipulations and half-baked truths to try to lure us into being people that we're not intended to be and we're not called to be. And you can see that in this gospel passage we just heard. Jesus is transfigured before Peter, James, and John. 
And the sights and the sounds, they're, they're amazing. So what's wrong with Peter's suggestion? It was good to be there. It was a moment of ecstatic happiness and peace. But Peter is tempted by Satan not to want to go back down the mountain where he knows life is hard. Peter has already heard Jesus tell them something about a cross, more than something, that Jesus will suffer and die. And that scared him. So Peter's tempted by Satan telling him, hey, look, there's another way. Just stay here instead. Peter's tempted by Satan to enjoy this gift he's experiencing himself rather than taking in the reality of the giver of the gift, who is removing the shadow of a doubt who Jesus really was, God's only begotten beloved son with whom the father is well pleased with. And very clearly and directly, God the Father tells them what to do. Listen to him. Listen to him who has, who is, the only way for salvation, truly and definitively to be won. Listen to him tell you that on the cross, Satan himself will suffer a defeat that lasts for all eternity. Listen to him as he tells you that his sacrifice of himself on the cross will be the one and only sacrifice that saves all humanity from sin and from death. Despite Peter's experience on this mountain of transfiguration, we know the rest of the story. We know he will, in fact, be tempted by Satan again and again, and he will fail, most especially through Jesus' arrest and his unjust trial and his passion and death, where first, Peter will deny he even knows Jesus, and then he will abandon Jesus in his hour of need. And after those experiences, Peter himself will have to remember what God the Father told him. He will then have to go to Jesus and listen to him, listen to him speak words of forgiveness and mercy and healing so that he can once again take his place as the head of the apostles, as the, the first pope, as the rock that Jesus intended to build his church upon. For you and I, things aren't any different than they were for Peter. This is why every Lent we start with the temptation of Jesus the first Sunday and then this story of the transfiguration on the second. It's clearly laying out that every follower of Jesus experiences this tension between both realities. For the, the season of Lent, I've been using the, the Lenten Companion by Father Mark Toops that we gave out to everyone on Ash Wednesday, who's such a, a brilliant spiritual writer. And he's raised a, a bunch of really impactful observations. And the one that made me kind of sit on the edge of my seat the one day was when he said, the two people who know you the best are God and the devil. And he suggests it might be good if you're the third. I'm like, and his point was that we all have patterns. We all have weaknesses. We all have triggers and struggles. God knows them because he created us and he loves us. And so does the devil because he's always looking for an opportunity to screw with us. And when we are honest with ourselves about those things, when we take stock of them and are open and honest to do a thorough examination of our consciences, when we begin to confront how often we have indeed been tempted by Satan and given in to him, 
then we're left with a choice. We can wallow in despair. We can just allow ourselves to continue to be tempted by Satan who tells us, you're never going to change. There's nothing you can do. This is who you are. This is how life is. Just live with it. Or we can listen to Jesus. Listen to him who calls us to turn away from these sins, to truly repent of them, meaning going to confession and putting them in Jesus' hands. Listen to him who calls us to change, to a complete change and transformation of heart. To listen to him as he calls us to follow him after we experience that change of heart each and every day as we continue to, to navigate all the setbacks and trials and struggles in life. Listen to him as we encounter the cross ourselves, as he tells us, you can carry it because I walk with you. It all comes down to which three little words we're going to allow to take root, allow to define our thoughts, words, and actions. Are we going to be people who are simply tempted by Satan? Or will we hear God the Father's direction calling us to listen to him?